This is Democracy, a podcast that explores the interracial, intergenerational, and intersectional unheard voices living in the world's most influential democracy. Welcome to our new episode of This is Democracy. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about uh, the democratic protests in Hong Kong and how we understand uh, the events in Hong Kong uh, happening before our eyes and the future of relations between Hong Kong and China and the future of democracy movements uh, in that part of the world. Uh, We're very fortunate to have with us uh, Sherry Chanis. Uh, Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. Sherry is a PhD candidate uh, in the history department here at the University of Texas. She's also a very distinguished teaching assistant. She was, in fact, one one of my teaching teaching assistants. Uh, She's writing really a fascinating dissertation. She's finishing it as we speak uh, on the formation of the southern maritime province of Guangdong and its identity uh, in relationship to China, East Asia, and the wider world. Sherry does a lot of fantastic work uh, looking at how parts of China thought of themselves in relationship to the wider world through maps, through travel, uh, and that's, of course, very relevant for thinking about Hong Kong today. Uh, there's no no part of the world, I think, that's more interconnected than Hong Kong. Uh, Sherry is a native of Hong Kong. Hong Kong is her home city, so she uh, uh, has a very direct personal as well as scholarly connection to the events occurring there. And we're really, really fortunate to have you with us today, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. Having me. I'm happy to be here. Before we uh, turn to uh, Sherry's expert insights, uh, we have Zachary's poetic insights. Uh, What's the title of your poem today, Zachary? Hanging Between. Hanging Between. Let's hear it. I have never been to Hong Kong. I have never had to face the August heat to store in the Secretariat Politburo for my freedom against policemen with medieval shields. I have never had to close an international airport to protect democracy. Never had to face tear gas bombs in packed streets for justice. I have never slept on cold jail floors, fearing electric currents and rigged judiciaries, screened myself hoarse on crying streets, shoved myself forward among masses of people to force open the doors of freedom. But we are all with you, staring out our bedroom windows at night. We are all standing among you nine weeks, ten weeks, eleven, beginning to count months, years, until we can finally count votes. And we are with you, haunting the condensation of your water bottles in the blistering sun. You may not hear our feet marching with you, you may not hear our voices chanting, but we are with you in spirit as we wait in line at the bank, jog in morning mists. And I sat once with a son of yours on a bench outside a boba tea place in an English college town, and I listened to your past and your present, and I am with you again every time I sit at a park bench and stare at your future, hanging between Union Jacks and hammers and sickles. Wow. I like the way you brought in Union Jacks, Hammers and Sickles, but also Boba Tees. <laughs> you have finally worked that into a poem. <laughs> what Beyond Boba Tea, what is your uh, poem about? My poem is really about uh, what it's like to view um, democratic struggle, and particularly those that in Hong Kong, uh, as someone who comes from a country where democracy has is embedded in, in our society for so long. And... Uh, it's really about how uh, we, we, we stand in solidarity with the events in Hong Kong, but at the same time, uh, we, we're, we're limited uh, in how we respond and in the ways that we are willing to respond. Mm, mm. And why do you think we're limited? Uh, I think we're really limited by, uh, because of a lack of courage by our leadership, but also um, 
also political realities and economic realities right now that make it very hard to um, lend material support. Right. Right. Well, these are all issues we need to discuss. Uh, Sherry, for, for those of us who are not experts on this region, uh, how should we understand this uh, student movement? Who, who are the students? What's going on here in Hong Kong? How, how should we understand it? Um, well, before I answer your question, I just wanted to respond to Zachary's poem. I thought it was really well written, and you know a lot about what's been going on and uh, it's very impressive and and I hope that you'll keep watching the news and 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 just keep going and with what you're doing so uh, and then in terms of what's going on right um, the protests uh, that we're seeing right now um, they really have evolved from efforts to oppose the extradition bill mm -hmm. and that's uh, basically how this round of protests um, began and and over the past two months and since June really it, the protests have evolved into anti-government protests actually so is uh, there the protesters are really dealing with much bigger issues uh, more than just opposing the extradition right. bill it's and, really about not trusting the government at this moment gotcha and just to remind people about the extradition bill sure um, the extradition bill um, is an amendment to the current extradition law uh, that was in place right before the handover uh, of Hong Kong from Britain to China 1997. I, Right. The handover was 1997. If I'm not mistaken, I think the current extradition uh, extradition law was in place in 96. Okay. So just very shortly before. And the extradition law um, has arrangements with, I think, about 20 countries uh, around the world. Um, but it excludes it excludes mainland China, Taiwan, and Macau, the very the close the closest areas mm -hmm. to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what the government is trying to do is, um, in their words try to close this loophole, um, try to make arrangements between Hong Kong and these places in case there are fugitives in Hong Kong who need to be ex extradited. Um, so on the surface, it seems a very logical um, arrangement, but what really concerns most Hong Kong people is the discrepancy between the legal system in Hong Kong and also the legal system in mainland China. Sure. So... Um, it's uh, there before the protests that we're seeing today. There was actually talks between the government and the commercial sector, the businessmen, for example. Um, they they were among the first to actually express concerns about this amendment bill um, because the bill actually includes a lot of economic offenses. Okay. So if a businessman from Hong Kong, for example, um, does business in China and then intentionally or unintentionally commit a crime that is illegal deemed under the Chinese legal system, then they could be found wanting. Even if when, it's legal in Hong Kong. Right. So so there's a lot of concern. And the government um, made some compromises, took off about nine offenses. But um, at the same time, the legal professionals in Hong Kong also expressed concern about, about this amendment um, because uh, in their expert opinion, there's just too many loopholes as the government was trying to close this loophole. So, and then uh, word got to the general public very quickly um, about this bill. And and like I said before, the, the general concern, the main concern is really um, unintentionally doing something in mainland China and then 
not knowing that they have committed a crime, and then they would become fugitive in Hong right. Kong. So, um, so in the gist, this is what the the concern about the amendment is. And so, um, and just one question on that: it, it, this could also be used for political crimes, right? So, if you said something sure. that is illegal to say in mainland China, but legal in Hong Kong, right. you could be extradited to China under Correct. this proposed bill, right? Correct, and also religious freedom as well. So, so it's very it's a sweeping reform or amendment bill if, if you and a will. challenge to freedoms that that citizens of Hong Kong cherish right ways. yeah so uh, so that's really uh, to Hong Kong people is really a threat to their freedom of speech freedom to assemble and freedom to express the, their opinions in whatever means that we can right now mm-hmm. yeah. and so how did those protests which t- seemed to succeed in persuading um, mm-hmm. Miss Lam, who's the Chinese uh, appointed person responsible for Hong Kong mm-hmm. and others, persuaded them to pull this bill back. Right. Why didn't that end the problems? So um, the official language that Mrs. Lam said was to suspend the bill. Um, and that was her first official response to the, the massive demonstrations in early June. Um, and for the Hong Kong people, they were not happy. They were not satisfied because they were afraid that even though she has said suspend, it, the bill could come back later. And so what they really want, uh, what Hong Kong people really want is for the government to officially say withdraw the bill, which the which Carrie Lam has not said. I see. So And she has since said the bill has died. Uh, that's her, that's her second comment about the bill, and she said that it's not coming back. It's died. It's, it, there's no chance. But um, Hong Kong people still they want to hear withdrawal. Okay. So they want to really know that this this is not coming back. I see. So. And and is that what has led to the escalation of the of the conflict on the ground? Correct. Yeah. So um, so the public wants. The bill to be withdrawn completely. They want the government to specifically say that, use that wording, um, but they also um, have a few other issues that they want to raise with the government. And so, withdrawing the bill is one, and and they also want Carrie Lam to step down. Actually, so um, because she's not voted in by the Hong Kong people, and there's no system for Hong Kong people to vote for their top leader. So She's appointed by Xi Jinping? Is that what happened? Uh, it's not quite appointed. Uh, there is a 1,200-member committee who could vote for um, for the chief executive, which is the, the president equivalent uh, in the Hong Kong government. And, uh, and most of these 1,200 people, they're business people. They're, um, they have vested interests in... Uh, with Beijing, so so there's voting on the surface, but it's not a it's not a universal thing in Hong Kong. So um, so that's also one of the demands that that Hong Kong people want is uh, Hong Kong people have never been able to vote for their top leader, and um, not when it was the British colony, not since the handover, and so this is really um, something that Hong Kong people want. They want they want a leader that they that they vote for it, that it that can be held re- accountable, and mm-hmm. because right now a big issue too with uh, Carrie Lam is she has said she's not stepping down, she's not resigning, and she's going to continue with her role. Um, but um, 
she is not popular right. among Hong Kong people, and because Hong Kong people feel that they, she has made mistakes, um, and she is not bearing the responsibility. So, those, so that's another issue that that the protesters want the government to address, and um, and also I think uh, as we know, the protesters have escalated. The protests have escalated, and there we are seeing more violence, and there have been more clashes between the protesters and the police. And there has been a lot of accusations toward, against the police about excessive, u- excessive use of force. Um, so this is something that really has angered a lot of Hong Kong people. Um, and we know, as Zachary, you mentioned, tear gas, right? And uh, a lot has been used over the past month or so. And, um, and so... Hong Kong people are are also protesting against what they call police brutality mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. So um, and and uh, right now also another issue that they want to the Hong Kong people, Hong Kong the protesters want to um, uh, want to be heard is about the the protesters who have been arrested mm-hmm. and they. There are about seven hundred of them, according well, that to many? Mm-hmm, according to police numbers, and, uh, and most of them are young people. And uh, so, a lot of people think that they are political prisoners, and um, and they're not being released. And so, they want the government to release them unconditionally uh, without any charges. And um, so, so yeah, that they're these are the basic. Demand so um, it it really has evolved from just opposing the extradition bill to sure. more general issues sure. about what is happening. In and Hong this Kong. is a dynamic that often takes shape in protest movements. They right. they begin uh, focused on one grievance, mm-hmm. and then that opens up a conversation right. about a larger number of long-standing grievances. Right. Correct. Uh, how do we understand uh, what happened at the airport? Because uh, for better or worse, that's getting a lot of attention. The mm-hmm. apparent uh, violence used by a small number of protesters at the airport, mm-hmm. apparently tying up mm-hmm. uh, a government official. Uh, the protesters have apologized. But how should we understand that? So the there's a so at the airport, I think the most of the protesters have left, as far as I know, as of this morning. And um, what they were trying to do, um, there were a few things. One, they they wanted to have a relatively safe place to protest because of all the tear gas that has been used on the streets, uh, and even at the subway station. Hmm. Um, so it, it's happened a couple of times. And so um, for them, the protesters thought that if they gathered at the airport, they met at the airport, the chances of police using tear gas would be minimal because there are visitors or passengers and 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 they're they're right because there was no tear gas at the airport and um and so this, that's one thing and the other thing is they really want uh they really the protesters wanted the visitors to know what's what's sure. been really going sure. on um, through first-hand accounts. Mm-hmm. So while they were sitting in, while they were walking around the airport, they were also um, uh, holding up a lot of signs uh, in different languages, uh, so mostly in English, but also in other languages. And and they were distributing flyers and just uh, different materials to let passengers know, international passengers know what's been going on. And um, and the third thing that they, third goal that the protesters protesters had uh, gathering at the airport was to really force the government to 
to talk to them mm-hmm. and to respond to mm-hmm. to the issues that we just mm-hmm. talked about. So, mm. Zachary, you had a question. Yeah, how mainstream are the protesters? Are they are they still a fringe group of society, or does everyone in Hong Kong know people who are involved in the protests and who are um, who are part of the protest, or is it something that is still a smaller group of society? So, if we're talking about the say the protesters at the airport, um, the the most frontline protesters, they are mostly young people, um, high school students, college students, uh, or young professionals in their 20s, maybe. But but it's also there is also a mix of people. Um, there are older um, people, and they're they really they work different jobs, and and their common goal was to really force the government to to talk and and as far as whether they're a fringe group i i think in terms of the use of force the means that they're using um then they maybe they are um they this this is the group that's more willing to clash with the police um and and they're not afraid to go up to the front line and and really face the police right and but but there are really a lot of protesters in Hong Kong who who are against the extradition bill, um, who who have gone out to the streets. And, and if you remember or you have seen uh, news reports about the June 9th and June 16th mm-hmm. protests, mm-hmm. a lot of them, they are parents, grandparents, and uh, who who took their babies with them to, to protest, to march uh, peacefully. So... Um, so I think in, in in terms of the the use of force, I guess you can say that's a fringe group. But then if we look at the the airport protests, a lot of them they were not clashing with the police either. So um, so yeah, it, it's I think it, it's a yeah it's a relatively small group. I, I guess it, it it would be correct to say that um, that's willing to fight with the police. Guess, but do they know. have the support as best you can tell as a, mm-hmm. as a citizen and scholar? Do do the protesters in their demands mm-hmm. for protection of basic rights, do, do, do you think they have the support of the vast majority of Hong Kongers? I think so. I think so. And actually, um, when these frontline protesters protest, they, they went to the airport or elsewhere on the streets, um, a, a lot of a lot of Hong Kong people, they would come support them they, right. by giving them meals, giving them uh, subway tickets to go right. home or travel. And and so they, they do have a lot of support um, that way in, in from material support. Right. But but that's driven by the general public support towards the cause right. about um, asking Carrie Lam and her government to respond to, to all these issues that that most Hong Kong people really want to discuss. Right. And this is what you'd expect. I mean, generally, for any movement, the protesters tend to be a smaller subset of a larger majority of people mm-hmm. who are not in the streets but supportive of them. Right, right, correct. And, and, and that's what you, what, what's going on here, you think? Right, yeah. So how should we think about the um, claim by the Chinese government that's being made all across social media and elsewhere that these are revolutionaries and extremists and fringe elements? Uh, and they're pointing, of course, to things like the uh, small incidents of violence. How should we understand those claims? I think one way to understand these claims is 
that Beijing is anxious about whether、um, this relatively small group of protesters would gain more and more support and and draw more protesters to to have to take the same approach in terms of of being willing to go to the very front line to to confront the police because、uh, right now the Uh, a big, big issue is really uh, uh, people are not happy with the amount of force that the police is using.、Sure. So, so,、um, so for Beijing, for them to see that these protesters are willing to to risk being arrested and and to and to disobey <laughs> the police, then then that's a very That's an, an an alarm for them, and and in light of what's happening elsewhere within mainland China,、sure. you know, then that's、uh, something that Beijing definitely、um, doesn't want to see, and they want to take care, take care of it、um, as soon as possible,、uh, whatever that means, right? So、um, so Beijing is anxious, and and so they right now what we're seeing in Hong Kong is they have pressured.、Uh, um, Prominent business businessmen to to openly support the police, for example. That that's one one thing they they have done. So、um, and and they have openly backed、uh, Carrie Lam and her government as well as the police force. So、um, so right now,、um, they've also had exor- military exercises <laughs> across the border, right? A kind of threatening right. activity, right? Yeah. So.、Um, There are different theories about what's what's happening there.、Um, some people think that maybe they are preparing themselves to cross the border, but some people also have said that well,、um, the October first is coming is the seventieth seventieth anniversary of the establishment of, of PRC, and so maybe they are just preparing for that.、Uh, and that's the latest theory.、Uh, I'm I'm I don't. Personally, I don't think I have enough information to really know for sure what what that means.、Uh, why there there are so many armored vehicles across the border. So,、um, and and I'm hopeful that they're not going to cross the border、um, at the moment. So, and and I think.、Um, What happened in eighty nine? Right, Tiananmen.、Right? Yeah. Right. So, and it is is something that I don't think the Chinese government wants to repeat. So,、mm-hmm. uh, and and certainly they don't want to have that happen in Hong Kong. Right, because of the public embarrassment and because of the backlash that would create. Right. right? Yes,、um, and and the international community is watching, and and there's widespread coverage. Right about what's happening in Hong Kong, you know, through different media out, media outlets, right? Sure. So, sure. So yeah. So the world is watching. Right. Right.、Uh, you've used the the phrase、uh, a number of times, Hong Kong people. Right.、Um, and and this gets actually at the core of some of your research, also, right?、Um, is there a separate identity? Do do do、uh, those like yourself from Hong Kong、uh, see themselves different? Doesn't mean that they're they're not Chinese, but do they、mm-hmm. see themselves in a different way from the way mainland? In China, see themselves. I think so. I think there's just a lot of、um, a lot of differences、uh, between mainland China and Hong Kong, both politically, economically, culturally. So, and all these form our identity, right? And and I think 
um, using the term Hong Kong people doesn't mean we're not ethnically Chinese, uh-huh. right? And and I think it would be fair to say that we appreciate Chinese culture and we travel to China, sure. right? We do a lot of business with China, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and China and Hong Kong are really connected nowadays, and so um, I think that it, it's it's. It's somewhat a complicated issue. I think identity is almost never straightforward in a way. And um, but I think with what's been happening, not just this year, but also in the past twenty years or so, and 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 this um, Hong Kongness, if we if we could use that term, it, it's become more distinctive. Interesting. Um, in a way, so uh, so yeah, it. it I think it for a lot of Hong Kong people. It, we're both Hong Kong people. We're also Chinese. So and and there is a distinction between the Chinese uh, Chinese people, China, and and the current government, Chinese mm-hmm. government. Of so course. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's not as there's no straightforward answer, right. unfortunately. But it does seem that's at the root of this in in some way, and that the citizens of Hong Kong. Um, are accustomed to and feel connected to a form of government and a, a form of society that's different from at least what what is the standard form of political and social behavior on the mainland in China, right? I mean, that, 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 that does seem to be, uh, and this is something I remember in 1997, people predicted would be a problem. Right, yeah, and, and what we're seeing right now is the, and the effort to, to oppose the extradition bill and, and even the bigger issue about being able to vote and to vote for the top leader, and, and that's an extension of that. Right. Right, right. Which, which to those uh, in a in a different tradition seems so obvious, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, that you would at least get to vote for your right. for your leaders, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so where does this go, Sherry? I mean, uh, we can all unfortunately imagine. Uh, a repeat of Tiananmen in 1989, and 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 in a sense, we don't have to talk about that right now because that's the nightmare we can all imagine. Mm. Uh, w- what are other scenarios? How can we expect or hope this to this would come out? What 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 is a realistic end to this conflict, at least for the short run, that doesn't result in in mass military intervention? Um, that's a, an important question, a uh, great question, and there's. Again, no easy answer. I think um, one th- important thing that we we can hope for is that the majority of protesters uh, or the majority of Hong Kong people they um, we all want peace. I think that that's a fair statement, right? And and using force on the protesters' side is really a a last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and and as, I don't I don't have an update on that right now. But uh, I think a couple um, marches is, are being planned right now for this weekend, and they have uh, requested um, permission to to take to the streets. And but I don't know what the update is. And so uh, I think uh, I think a lot of Hong Kong people are willing to take to the streets. To express their view peacefully, and um, and they have actually specifically asked that the the more frontline protesters not to use any mm-hmm. force. Mm-hmm. So I think there's still that uh, rational side 
um, that that we can hope will um, take over, and and so that's the more short term um, thing. And and I think there will probably be more protests that that will so happen. Um, and what would be interesting to see is uh, school is starting in a few weeks, right. and uh, as we have mentioned, a lot of these frontline protesters are students, you know, high school students or college students, and and some college students are planning um, walkouts and different things to to protest. But um, but I I think it would be uh, I'd be curious to see what happens when school. Sure. Starts. Would they not go to school? Would they walk out? Would they keep going to the street, or or they would um, do something else, or sure. use another sure. way to to protest? What would uh, Beijing have to do to uh, come to a realistic compromise? Let's assume that there's actually a desire to come to a compromise in Beijing. One big demand the Hong Kong people have right now is to talk to Carrie Lam and the government um, because there right now there is no conversation uh, is is basically protesters go out and then um, and then she responds by by doing a press conference there's no sorts. direct communication no direct communication and and Hong Kong people feel that she has not really responded um, during those conferences press conferences and, and so so they really want Carol Ann to really talk to them, really respond to what they're asking her to do. So, um, and I think if if Carol Ann is willing to do that, uh, I think that will be very helpful, and that will also ease some of the anxiety that the Beijing is experiencing right now. So. Sounds like a realistic a realistic step. Um, so uh, many of our listeners are, are um, concerned about these issues. Uh, but don't know what to do. <laughs> they don't have the direct connections on the ground you have. And I'm sure you, you struggle with this too. Uh, what should uh, non-Chinese, uh, non-citizens of Hong Kong who care about these issues, what should we do? Um, this is going to sound very basic, but um, I think one thing that we all can do, no matter where we are, is to stay informed um, because it's, it's hard to to lend support in some ways or lend or, or form our opinions without knowing what's really happening mm-hmm. and I know a lot of us are doing that but um, but keep doing that I would say stay informed and the information is only one click away and so um, keep paying attention to to what's been happening new and, sources you what are the sources that are best best to inform us um News source. I think actually a lot of them, the mainstream um, media outlets, they they're fine. I mean, okay. there's a lot of coverage, and um, I I use a lot of the local sources, but um, so n- local newspapers and and they're fine too. And Twitter uh, actually is a pretty robust so- sure. <laughs> source. Uh, robust in all kinds of ways. <laughs> robust in all kinds of ways. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, there, yeah, it's easy to access this information. Uh, thankfully, so so we could all do that. And then for those of us in the U.S., um, I think there's also um, other ways to to lend support and to express your opinions um, because um, the Congress has uh, has 
Um, actually, they have introduced a bill uh, on. Let me see if I can find the correct title. It's, it's called the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy yes. Act uh, yes. from 2019. It's a revision of uh, the 92 um, Act. And in Germany, you can probably speak to that a lot more than I can. But uh, so. So something's happening in the U.S. as well. So if you want to um, contact your congressman sure. about that, then that's a practical way to to uh, express your to exercise your freedom right. uh, for sure. And uh, so, so yeah, I think Tra- there there is way there are ways. Traditionally, both parties, Democrats and Republicans, uh, have spoken out on behalf of the human rights of citizens in Hong Kong and other parts of China, mm-hmm. traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's beginning to happen again now. But mm-hmm. your argument is that we, we could do more. Yes. Does that matter? Does that have an effect on the ground? I think it matters. Um, it matters in the sense that we can let the Hong Kong people know that they're not alone. Uh, because it's easy to feel that way after protesting for a while and, and right. nothing really is happening, then right. then it's easy to, to lose hope. But but I think uh, to in the fight for democracy, we cannot lose hope, right? And, and that's one reason the protesters wanted to go to the airport is to really let the international community know what, what's going on. And um, so I think it matters and and um and yeah so it's so if you are willing to to do something about it i would say definitely sure do something sure. about it that's so. great that's a great a great message zachary does this resonate with you do you think that young people like yourself who care and are concerned about democracy in our country and abroad that this is an issue that you'll pay attention to yeah, I really think that young people care about other democratic movements because it's it's inspiring, especially to see other young people involved in these issues. But at the same time, I also think that um, because uh, the people of Hong Kong uh, and China, but Hong Kong in particular, um, are, are so international, a lot of us know people from Hong Kong. Sure, and, sure, like and, Sherry. And have experiences um, interacting with, with Hong Kong, and I think that's something that makes um, that, that makes the United States feel much closer to Hong Kong uh, than it is to other countries, and I think that's something that um, we really need to remember as yes. we see these things happening yes. abroad. Yes, I think that's a great point. Uh, I, I think uh, Sherry and Zachary, you've shared with us, I think, one of the, the key insights, which is that democracy is not a, an American story. It's a global mm. story. Right. And uh, throughout our history and the history of other societies, uh, the experiences of other people struggling for democracy often inspire and perhaps remind us what we're all about. And just listening to you, Sherry, and and your words, also your sincerity and your, your personal connection to this, I think should remind us all uh, how at, at its root, right, democracy is about protecting the rights of people to have a basic say in their own lives. Would it be okay if I um, read something? Please, So please. Um, this is uh, something I saw in the news uh, through one of the local newspapers, and that that's uh, a... A letter that uh, one of the protesters wrote, uh, she had, I think it's a girl, so there's a Japanese version and an English version. So I'm reading what she actually wrote herself, and that's a message to the visitors uh, who, ju- who had just arrived at the international airport. Please. And if I'm correct, uh, it was August 9th, so uh, less than a week ago. Hmm. Um, so this is what she posted. It's a big post-it note of mm-hmm. swords um, mm-hmm. that she put on the ground. 
And、uh, she said, "Dear visitors, our homeland is sick. We are currently undergoing a difficult summer, trying to remove the tumors in her constitutional system. Welcome to Hong Kong, and thank you for your understanding. We promise you a Hong Kong at her best on your next visit."、Hmm. So、um, I think I don't know this protester, but、um, but the hope that she expresses and and. Um, I think this is something that we all can take to heart, and and it's important what she's doing, what the Hong Kong people are doing.、Yeah. I I think there's no better place to close this conversation for right now. I hope we can all think about that going forward. Thank you, Sherry, for joining us and sharing what's an emotional as well as an intellectual、uh, perspective、uh, with us. Thank you, Zachary, for your poem, and thank you for joining us on this is democracy. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday, featuring new perspectives on democracy.